Well, today's message is going to be a little different, and you'll see how and you'll see why as we go through this message. So I want to just ask you, if you will, turn to your neighbor and with springtime, Easter season, passion and enthusiasm, tell them, buckle up. Now, our family had a really unique Thanksgiving experience this past year. It was our immediate family that all of us got to gather up, but none of our extended family, for a lot of different reasons and purposes that, that were completely disconnected, people from Houston and, and out of state, nobody came into Austin this year for Thanksgiving, but our nuclear family had an incredible, incredible opportunity to, to share Thanksgiving together. And when Julie and I started to realize that this was going to be our Thanksgiving, man, we, we pulled out all the stops. We started planning the meal. We started planning the day. We started looking at who was going to be coming, what were their dietary restrictions, what were the things that they liked to eat, what were the things that we need to have. Because, you know, when you do Thanksgiving, you, you, you have to do turkey. You have to do stuffing. But there were, there were some people who said, we've got to do the green beans, man. It's not Thanksgiving without the green beans. And I was like, whatevs, but we'll do it if that's what you need. Then this year we tried something brand new. In the grease that we had fried the turkey in, because that's the way the Bible says you should eat turkey, <laughs> we flash fried Brussels sprouts in that, oh, you see, you know. You, know, you, just, you just know spiritual truth when you hear it. And I have to tell you, with no pride, no brag whatsoever, they were phenomenal. It was one of the hits of the entire meal. But, but something happened around that Thanksgiving table as the, the dad of the house. I, I sat there and, and I looked at, at Julie at the other end of the table, and, and, and our kids gathered there, and there, there was just something about it. it was, there, was, there, was, there was something that was so rich. It was so sweet. It was so fun. The, the laughter, the stories that started rolling out of childhood as our kids had grown up, and we, we just sat there, and I just, I sat at the table, and I looked at Julie at the other end of the table, and I, in a moment of like vulnerability, I'll tell you. I kind of teared up a little bit, which is weird because I am not a crier. Okay, maybe a little bit. I think real men cry. Just sue me, okay? So I sat there and I thought, this may be as good as it gets. And I, and I, I couldn't help but think, this is, this, is what you, this is what you pray for. This is what you, what you look for. And I thought, man... What an incredible blessing. Because the fact of the matter is, our kids around the table, they don't have to come home anymore. <laughs> I mean, they, they, Joe could have called from college and said, you know, it's my next to last semester. I've got finals coming up. I'm going to stay here and study. Emily, who, who lives in her own apartment now, and her roommate, they, they, they could have said, you know what, we, we're, we're busy. We had a lot going on. We're going to travel over the holidays. But for whatever reason, they wanted to come to the table. I thought about that this week. As we wrap up this series that we've been in for the last few weeks called Bring It, where we've been looking at, at worship and worshiping God with every part of our lives, 
And I thought about how I felt looking at that table with those people, the closest in the world to me. And I thought, that, that may be, I, I may have had just a little sliver, just a, just a small taste of what God feels like when we gather together as the family of faith. When we choose to come to the table and, and worship together, when we choose to be in the same place together, I thought that because of who God is and the ways that he loves us and the, the incredible, unconditional love and loving kindness that he shows us, when we choose to be here, when we choose to gather that's got to please the heart of a perfect father, just knowing what it did to a highly imperfect father. And I thought that's, that's probably the, the exact right place for us to wrap up this series. You know, we've been through that throughout this series talking about the fact that all of us worship. You worship, I worship, all God's chilling worship, meaning we all choose to orient our lives around something or around someone. The choice that Christ followers make is to, is to intentionally acknowledge God's rightful place at the center of our lives and then to see that radiate out into every single area of our lives. And in the day and age in which you and I live and the, the culture that we are a product of, that we come out of, our tendency, most of the time, not because of, not because of consumer America or whatever, just because of the fact that we're human, our, our tendency, unless we're really careful, our tendency is to say, well, what's in it for me? We, we think about that in terms of our relationships, don't we? Like, who are we going to date? Who are we going to marry? Who are we going to hang out? What's in it for me? But when it comes to following Christ, when it, when it comes to worshiping God, that gets absolutely stood on its head. When, when it comes to following Christ, then all of a sudden our lives are to be about what honors him, what glorifies him. And so gathering together, coming together to the table as a family of faith it is one of those things that, that God has given us as an incredible Gift. Pastor Terry alluded to it last week in his incredible sermon on Sabbath. In Leviticus chapter 23, verse 3, the Bible says, You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But, everybody say, but. But the seventh day, the seventh day is a Sabbath day of complete rest, an official day for holy assembly. It is the Lord's Sabbath day, and it must be observed wherever you live. It is a day for holy assembly. So Sunday morning is different. What happens when we wake up on Sunday? We wake up with a little extra spring in our step. How many of you right now are, are just be honest, how many of you are kind of dreading Monday morning? If you've got a Monday ahead of you that you just know is going to be a Monday, can I say, thank you for your honesty. I appreciate both of y'all. Man, I get it. There are those days that you just know, man, it's going to be a grind from sunup to sundown, from the moment you put your feet on the floor to that you put your head on the pillow. But Sunday, 
that that Sabbath day established for holy assembly. There's something inside of us that, that, that ought to wake up just a little extra bounce in our step, just, just a little, little more fired up. You know, we, we talked earlier that, that today our, our weather was weird. I mean, here it is almost the very first day of April, and we walk outside, and it's, it's like Texas winter all over again. It was 45 degrees, Ooh, dangerous cold. And yesterday was cooler, and I remember looking at the weather yesterday going, what is going on? I wanted to put on shorts and flip-flops, and then I saw the forecast for today. I went, 40, it's going to be 45 degrees tomorrow at church. Julie said, no, it's not. I said, yes, it is. <laughs> I woke up this morning, got up and went and checked my weather station because I'm just that cool. 44 degrees in my backyard this morning. I was shocked, but nothing like I was shocked when I walked outside and felt that frigid blast hit me in the face. Whoa! I knew that it was going to be 45 degrees, and yet I was still surprised when it happened. I think there's something in there that we need to remember about corporate worship, about gathering with the family, that, that we should expect the unexpected, that, that we should walk in the doors expecting God to do something, not because we deserve it, not with an air of like, let's see how prepared the worship team is today. Let's see if the preacher has done his homework and if he says something that I like. But instead, we walk in expecting the unexpected, believing that God will do what only God will do because we have done what we can do in prioritizing this day of holy assembly. Look at what the Bible says. Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for him on the ten-stringed harp. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp, somebody, and sing with joy. Tell your neighbor right now, sing with joy. Here's the thing about it. We serve a risen Savior. We lift him up. We worship his name. This is what we believe. This is what unites us. Our family around the table united by blood and Brussels sprouts. <laughs> but this family, united by the blood and the resurrection of Jesus, this is what we believe. I want to ask you right now to stand to your feet, right where you are, just stand up. Some of you think, whoa, 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 we've already started the sermon. We can't stand up yet. <laughs> Watch us. It is right for the pure in heart to sing with joy because this is what we believe.
Now you may be seated. Thank you very much. Man, there's, there's, something, there's nothing like that. There is nothing like that. We live. <clears throat> we live in the live music capital of the world. And you can hear incredible, incredible musicians pretty much any night of the week here in Austin. But you don't get that at the Saxon Pub. You don't get that at the Broken Spoke. 
There's something that happens when God's people gather. There's something that happens inside of us when we walk in expectant, when we know that God is going to do something. And and so I'm doing my best. I'm saying (laughs) there's something about that. Look at that. Is that fun? Is that fun? Everybody say bring it. Look, I'm telling you, this series is an inflection point for our church. We, we are done being uptight and white and sitting around and just head chilling out. <clears throat> the most rhythm in our church is a 60-year-old white dude on drums back here. <clears throat> We're fitting to go now. Do you you understand that when the Holy Spirit inhabits the praises of God's people, God's people can't hold it in. It's like trying to put an ocean in a Coke bottle. Something's got to come out. And this thing called worship, of corporate worship, the word corporate is very important. The word corporate means body. It's where we get corpus Christi, the body of Christ. It doesn't mean business. Corporate means gathered, a, a body. That's what corporate worship is, the body of Christ, the family of faith coming together at the table, celebrating baptism like we saw today. Was that incredible? Watching these people get baptized as a personal statement of their faith from the young to the old and all points in between. Mm. And and, and next weekend, as, as we get ready for Easter, we go in next weekend, the weekend after, and we, over the next week or two, we'll celebrate communion together. Communion, that which we have in common as a community of faith. That's what this is all about. You know, sometimes, sometimes I feel bad for for the the younger generation. I'm talking about those, those folks who are in school right now, especially middle school and high school. Because I know that if you're in middle school or high school right now and you you try out for a team or you audition for a role, you, you, get, you, you don't get to go to the coach's office or the, the choir director's office and, and find the list scotch taped to the door of who made the team or who got the part. No, you, you, you're, you're missing out. If, if you had to look it up on your phone or on a computer at home by yourself privately, that is so sad. You, you never got the joy of walking down that eight-mile hallway to the coach's office as you went by the cafeteria and the the smell of tater tots and sloppy joes gave way to mentholatum and gymnasiums and locker rooms. And you go to the coach's office and there you see it scotch taped to the wall, the list. Man, I'll never forget my ninth grade, freshman year in high school. I would transitioned from a, a small church school where I knew everybody, everybody knew me and my dog to the big 5A public high school, and basketball tryouts were a traumatic experience for me. I walked into the gym, and I was like, I'm a freshman in high school, 6'5", 6'9", guys that could fly, guys that could handle the rock while they were flying. And so going all the way through tryouts and then going to the coach's office that day to see if my name was on the list, kind of looking over people's heads or probably through their armpits trying to see if my name was on the list. And, you know, there's the varsity, there's the, 
to JV and then freshman A and B. I mean, I started at freshman B. I was like, man, if I make freshman B, just A team, God. Help me make A team. <clears throat> and, and I went all the way down the list. Freshman B, no, no, Richard. Freshman A, okay, there's, there's Goldman, then there's Reddick. Richard, Richard Mack, Mack Richard. I made the team. I made the team. Wouldn't it be sad if you wanted to worship, if you wanted to be a follower of Christ, but you couldn't make the team? If you come to God with a willing heart, welcome to the team. Your name is on the list. When you follow Jesus Christ, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life for eternity, and no one and no thing can take that away from you. You are on the team. Now, what if, what if I had made the team and then decided from that day forward, I was going to go to practice when I felt like it, just kind of sporadically? Because I'll be honest with you, a lot of days I didn't feel like going to practice. Would somebody help me preach? I mean, you just, you just days you're tired. Day, you know, you, you, maybe, you, maybe you had like two sloppy joes at lunch. It's just, you're just not feeling it. But you know, you, you got to go if you're going to go. And so you go. I think a lot of times for us, church can, can feel like practice. A lot of times like, uh, I mean, am I the only one? Don't, don't leave your pastor hanging out there like, I don't know what you're talking about, Mac. That's terrible that you feel it. I'm just saying. <laughs> but then you remember. Then, then you remember that when we show up, God shows up. Jesus said, where two or more are gathered, I will be there in their midst. Now, I'm not a math guy, but there's more than two here. So when we gather God shows up. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us consider. Let, let's, let's be intentional and think about this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds and doing the right things. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us don't give up the habit of meeting together like some are doing. Now listen, you've heard me say this for the last few weeks. We, we have a number of people who are watching online right now. And for those who are, who are sick, who couldn't be here today, and, or maybe are caring for a loved one, we love you and we're praying with you and for you in this moment. Tell them hi and say thanks for joining in. And this is something we have wrestled with and wrestled with. Online is a supplement. It is not a substitute. Online is a supplement to our faith. For a lot of people, they're online checking out the things of God for the first time. They're kind of going, I don't know about this, but I'm going to see what is up. Others are, like I said, caring for someone who is sick or maybe they're sick at home today. It's a supplement and it's a help. And so that's the very reason that I haven't walked backstage and pulled the plug out of the wall myself on online church. 
That was a little bit of a joke, but not much. <laughs> we can never, ever buy the lie that online substitutes for real community. Online can supplement. It can help. I connect with people online all the time. It can be a great help. But there is nothing, say nothing, nothing, nothing that replaces this. Nothing. Nothing that replaces face-to-face, interpersonal interaction. And so a lot of times we, we, can, we can buy the lie because let's be honest, online's easier, isn't it? it online's easier. We, we can present only what we want to present. We can take in only what we want to take in. But man, when I'm face-to-face with you, I've got to think about what I say. I've got to think about my breath. I've got to make sure that I showered and put on deodorant. It is really inconvenient. <laughs> so online is, can be a great supplement, but it can never substitute for the gathering of the family around the table. Remember that Thanksgiving meal that I told you about earlier? I, I left out a critical part of the equation. Julie and I were blessed with two kids, Emily and Joe. Well, we were so excited, so excited when they graduated high school and for the most part moved out. We love it when they come home. It's great. But they have moved out. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. We were so excited. And the empty nest, nobody ever told me. Jeff, nobody ever told me the empty nest is a goal greatly to be desired. (laughs) Some of you know. But (laughs) lo and behold, somehow our empty nest got re-feathered. Our our empty nest, we, we picked up two more kids, college age and just out of college, that, that have become our faux children through, through circumstances of their own families going through some challenges. We have been blessed now with two more kids that we did not grow up. We didn't change their diapers. We just get to enjoy them, and they are a blessing beyond description. and I'm not going to do it, but at that Thanksgiving meal, not only did I see Julie, not only was I enjoying Emily and Joe, but there was, there was Allie and there was Sylvie who'd been adopted into our family, who, who make our lives better, richer, and fuller, who make us better. And, and, and I thought about the, the gift of adoption and, and the fact that God says adoption is exactly what he does with every single one of us. That we are adopted into the family of faith. We're not born into this family. You, you're, you may be a wonderful person, but you didn't just become a Christian because you showed up. A person is adopted into the family of faith through faith in Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. 
There is no other name under heaven by which we are saved but Jesus because of what Jesus did in and through the cross. And so we celebrate that. We celebrate it. We lift that up and we go, yay, God. Thank you, God, for adopting me. I was a spiritual orphan. And you brought me home. You, you gave me a safe place. You, you, you gave me food to eat. You, you gave me a family. And so every time I, I get to gather with the family, I'm gathering with the family. I'm showing up, baby. This is a priority. More than kids' games, more than kids' tournaments, more than sleep, more than brunch. The family's gathering at the table specifically because Jesus paid it all. And this is our anthem. This is what we sing. I want to invite you to stand to your feet if you would. And as you stand to your feet, I want you to consider the price that was paid so that we might be adopted into the family of faith. Sing. 
ask you to be seated in a spirit of prayer for just a moment. If you're here today and you've never stepped into a relationship with God, you've never stepped over that line of faith and trust in Christ, we want to invite you to do that right now. Just to pray right where you're sitting, a prayer of beginning. Just talking to God and saying silently, right where you are, just say something like this. Just say, Jesus, you are my God. I need you. I confess my sin to you. I claim your forgiveness. And I will follow you from this moment forward with everything I have. Lord, I pray this prayer in your name. I want to ask you just to remain with your heads bowed for a moment. But if that was your prayer, then you need to know this is the biggest moment of your life. That prayer, because of how God responds to it, changes everything. Jesus changes everything. And as a church, as a family, we want to help with what comes next. And so, if you will, I want to ask you to do a couple of things. Number one, just fill out the Connect card that's in your program. Fill that out, and you'll notice about a third of the way down is a place to indicate I committed my life to Christ this week. And once you finish that card, you can tear it off along the perforation there on the fold. And if you would, just take that card when we dismiss in just a moment and, and give it to one of our ushers, one of our hosts. And that'll begin a, a conversation that works, proceeds at whatever pace works for you with what's next. Where, where do you go from here from this beginning that stretches out into eternity? And the second thing I want to ask you to do, if you would, if you would, as our heads are bowed, just, just raise your hand up high over your head for a second, just for a brief moment. And know that as you do that, 
hand in the air is a physical statement of the spiritual commitment that you just made in response to God's grace initiative. And as a church, as a family, we celebrate that with you. You can put your hands down, and we're going to put our hands together just to tell you, welcome home. Welcome home.